Welcome citizens, you're listening to New Amsterdam Radio, the podcast for creatives. Here, thinkers and doers always have a key to the city. The mayor is in, so office hours start now. New Amsterdam Radio starts now. What's up, citizens? A bonus edition of New Amsterdam Radio. Sometimes I come across creatives that are doing things that are just unique and fun. And so I said, let's buck the trend of Thursday episodes. Let's have a little bit of an extra slice and spice. NewAmsterdam.com, K-A-W, Amsterdam.com, at New Amsterdam on that Instagram, and at New underscore Amsterdam on that Twitter. You know, Dr. Oliver Phillips has been on a couple of episodes of New Amsterdam Radio, and some of the feedback has been pretty cool. Having his experience of being an immigrant from the West Indies, Trinidad specifically, coming into the American uh, church system as a pastor and an educator, his story has been fantastic. But he has a new book that I've come to learn at the end of the interview. It was his 20th book. It's one's about cultural intelligence. It's called My Neighbor Next Door reaching our communities through cultural intelligence. And I, for one, had to figure out what that meant and how I can improve my own cultural intelligence because I didn't even know what that meant, but I was like, you know what? If it involves intelligence, I want it all, baby. <laughs> In the meantime, if you guys like this episode and all the other episodes at New Amsterdam, can and learn more at newamsterdam.com. That's K-N-E-W, amsterdam.com. Now, without any further ado, my chat once again with Dr. Oliver Phillips. Welcome back to New Amsterdam Radio, the podcast for creatives. It is I, the mayor of Lobo Boys, in the mayor's office with those who are doing things to help out the community. Once again, please welcome Dr. Albert Phillips here. How's it going, sir? Good. I'm excited to be here. Um, since last we were together um, on that book um, by Dr. Epps and the Community Missionary Baptist Church, um, uh, Come Let Me Bless You. That mm -hmm. book has um, it, it's doing bonkers and it's really, really great. And thanks for um, doing that interview. And oh, so no. I'm really excited on this new adventure um, that with cultural intelligence, my neighbor next door. Oh, my, my pleasure. But first questions first. How was your Easter? Was it good? Was it great? Was it somewhere in the middle? It, it was great. I, as a matter of fact, I had my daughter visit me. And, and so that was great. And um, so we're excited about that. And of course, it's always measured by what is happening in globally mm -hmm, um mm -hmm. it's measured by the stuff that is going on in ukraine that is on everybody's mind and the injustices that are being perpetrated upon a people so yeah. we are concerned about that and i think that colored easter uh this year yeah yeah absolutely but let's how, was how was yours my, my, my easter was pretty good you know I, I i was still here my mom is is, is at our summer home or winter home yeah. in the west indies my my dad is in new york so i just did the okay. whole okay. thing right. kind of called. Right. yeah yeah right. yeah but we're we're, right. we're gathered here today to talk about your newest release and it's mm -hmm. called my neighbor next door reaching yeah. out communities through the culture intelligence now for someone who may not be initiated that is a mouthful what exactly is culture intelligence and why do you feel the need that to write this in the book this for <laughs> yeah, um, cultural intelligence, you know, um, uh, more than 40 years ago, IQ was the, 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 the motivation for human resource in terms of getting people. Mm -hmm. And you, 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 what they did was they sought for people with high IQ. And then beginning in um, 1970, 
Um, and later than that, um, we found out that uh, a lot of individuals who ordinarily were competent, we found that uh, and in certain moments they exploded. And so they, uh, they got into what is called emotional intelligence to make sure that people are emotionally stable. And then about 20 years ago, um, with globalization, global, mm -hmm. uh, people going all over the world, uh, companies going to China, to Russia, to Europe, to different parts of the Caribbean, and particularly in Latin America, we found that individuals who were ordinarily competent when put in a different situation in the midst of a different culture were not able to adapt and adjust. So what is the definition of cultural intelligence? Right. Cultural intelligence is the ability to adjust adequately and appropriately in the midst of interaction with people from different cultures. And oh, so yeah. therefore, uh, if you, you look at a, a straight line, uh, to, to, to the ability to interact is one thing, but the ability to adapt and to adjust while you are interacting is a different thing. And that's where cultural in, uh, uh, intelligence comes in or CQ. Okay, yeah. Well, it's kind of maybe it's a stereotype, but I heard that like uh, Americans as a whole are pretty hard at adjusting to new cultures when we travel abroad. Yes, People go right, like, we're right. used to one thing and then we're something else. <laughs> that's right. That's right. That's right. <laughs> so, with the release of My Neighbor Next Door, uh, it, it comes chock full of research. You could tell it was painstakingly crafted. Walk me through that first of uh, having the idea of saying, you know what, I want to share this knowledge with others. What was your research like leading up to this release? Well, um, I think demographics led this. Uh, the immigration issue led this. The um, denominations over the, 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 the last decades have spent millions of dollars going overseas mm -hmm. to take the gospel. And it is a part of the commission that most Christians believe that our task is to take the gospel to, to different people. However, um, it rather, over the last uh, 30, 40 years, immigration, in, immigration and out-migration has changed. Yeah. Um, so God has a good sense of humor. <laughs> um, so whereas people used to go overseas to take the gospel, now people, those people to whom we took the gospel are now in our neighborhood. The, yeah. Those immigrants are in our neighborhood. And the, the challenge flow before the church is to be able to reach these people with the gospel and, uh, and to be able to adequately adapt and adjust so that the message could reach to those individuals. So that's why, as an immigrant myself, mm -hmm. I, I felt that I had to explore this possibility of how could the church position itself in order to deal with the immigration patterns that we see. However, there is a warning. Okay. Um, 30, 40 years ago, we thought that America was a melting pot. Right. Um, that has been dismissed over the last few years. America is not a melting pot. America is a salad bowl. Okay. Um, so therefore, when people come here, we don't expect them to assimilate. But what we have to be able to do is to be able to take these people, take the gospel to these individuals in such a way that we do not deny them of their own particular culture. But we have to be able to say to individuals, yes, come in, but we must understand the culture before we are able to reach them. 
is it an issue like when it comes down to like knowing how to drive where someone always believes you're the best driver on the freeway? Does everyone always believe they're the most culturally open and they have to be taught that they have blind spots or it takes a certain person to say, well, maybe I want to learn more about this particular subject? Uh, well, I think we make a big mistake, Flo. If, if, mm -hmm. if we think that we can dismiss the intricacies of culture, we make a big mistake. Um, when we when we try to describe culture, there are four different um, metaphors that we use for culture. Um, culture is like a tree, um, that the bark of a tree, the trunk of a tree, with that over the years, all the climate has contributed to it. So therefore, culture is like that tree. Culture is also like a quilt. Um, you have different parts that have come together. Culture is also like a computer. You have the software and you have the hardware and we must understand that. But the one that I like most is that culture is like an iceberg. 20% okay. is at the top and 80% uh, uh, and is at the, at the bottom. So what we have to do with culture is to be able to understand what we see is called the artifacts. Mm -hmm. And the result of years of, 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 of uh, in, indoctrination and, and being assimilated in that particular culture. So therefore, what we say is that we have to be able to take time to understand what is below the surface so that we can understand what accounted for the behaviors that we see. It's a good point. I, I was actually, uh, had a good time to check out the book. Uh, it was very easy to read, very pick up and play. I know it sounds yeah. like a very complex situation, but you take the time to break things down yeah. for someone who may be new to, which is very, very important. But yeah. you mentioned uh, in the, throughout the book about the four levels of cultural intelligence, CQ drive, CQ knowledge, CQ strategy, CQ action. Just real quick, what are they and how do they interact with each other? Uh, yeah, um, so therefore we call them the four, the four quadrants. Um, of cultural intelligence. So first of all, in order to be able to adequately adjust, we have to check our CQ drive mm -hmm. or our motivation. What is it that is motivating us to want to uh, uh, reach another culture? So we, we check our motivation. Is it because of the gospel? Um, uh, what is motivating us? Is it that, what is the driving force? And if we understand what drives us, because multicultural ministry, cross-cultural ministry is hard work. And we, so we have to check our motivation. Secondly, is um, what we call CQ knowledge. Mm -hmm. In other words, you must take the time to study the, the, the culture. You must take the time to understand why people act the way they act. So mm -hmm. therefore, we study and we get as much knowledge as we could. That's CQ knowledge. And then we have CQ strategy. You've got to have a strategy in, in order to be able to reach another people. So therefore, you have the motivation and you have the knowledge. But with that, you are able to then to develop a strategy to, to know how do you adjust when you reach people of a different culture. And then, of course, CQ action is how then when we have taken the when we have gotten a hold of the CQ drive, the CQ um, the CQ knowledge and CQ strategy, how do we then uh, how are we flexible? <laughs> when, when, right, when, right, right. So, so 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 what I say is you don't use cruise control 
when you're working with different cultures. You, you don't use cruise control. What you do is every, every situation that you find yourself, you must check yourself as to then how then do I adjust and yeah. adapt. So and my actions to suit uh, those individuals. So uh, in the course of reading this book, I was kind of seeing the flip side of things, uh, especially yeah. for, for people like uh, people of color, people from uh, ethnically other place. Uh, sure. I'm from New York, uh, where there are many flavors of black people, for example. My parents are West Indian. Uh, we're yeah. African-American, but a lot of times people try to observe our culture, much like how we say we should. But on the yeah. receiving end, it can be seen as a, a veil of hostility. I understand that understanding is a two-way street, but for yeah. those of you who are being observed, any tips, tricks through your research you found out, how they can find a way to teach others about your culture in a way that's accessible? Yeah, but, but, but the mistake that we make though is that we are always hung up in making sure that other people understand us. Mm -hmm. it, it is critical, not just so that other people understand us, but we must understand other people. Agreed. There's, a, yeah. there's a reason why people drive on the right-hand side or drive on the left-hand side. There's a reason why people do all of these things. And so, Flexibility is critical in cultural intelligence. We must be flexible as we deal with people from different cultures. It's the only way that we can reach them. However, uh, in terms of a religious perspective, I think that um, we must understand that from a Christian perspective, that God is already working in different cultures our job is to be able to find God and to join God in what God is doing in the different cultures. Sure. Now, there's an old Indian saying that don't give me a potted plant, but give me the seed and I will plant it in my own soil. Okay. So that the gospel, that the task that we have is not to Christianize the culture but to culturalize Christianity. And to, so to be able to put it in that perspective, what is the culture? How does that culture, how does that vessel receive the gospel? How can someone improve their CQ right now today? I know there's a long-term process, there's training programs for that, but I mean, today, if I wanna make that first step, what should I do? I think the most critical thing is, is, to, is CQ knowledge. We, we must understand the culture. And in understanding the culture, it, 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 there are values, there are universal values that you have in all cultures. For instance, time. There, there, there is what you call event time and clock time. Uh, so, so, so that there are certain cultures that are hung up. America is obsessed with time. However, other cultures are not obsessed with time. Uh, they are event-oriented. There is also, uh, as we look at universal values, there is um, what you will call um, avoidance, um, uncertainty avoidance. There are some cultures that are, are, are loose when it comes to uncertainty avoidance, and so that we have to... So CQ knowledge, I think, is critical. We must take the time to study the culture, to study why do people behave the way they behave so that at least we will be able to appreciate uh, 
that culture. Yeah, you touched upon my favorite part of the book, actually, the, the clock time versus event time. And, and for those of you who aren't familiar, it's like in cultures like the United States, we, we do things by clock, nine o'clock, 10 o'clock, 1030, 130, where culture is kind of like, we're, we're having the meeting. And when it's done, we're doing something else. And it's yeah. kind of a, a fascinating dynamic because when we think about other cultures, we already think about like the physical, like clothes or how yeah, they sure, look sure, or things. Sure. But as far as you live your daily life, I mean, that right there is the underpinning. I thought it was really fascinating. Yeah, and, and, and the fact is, um, I, I used to, I served in a denomination, in a, in a, in a white denomination before I, I got to where I am today. And most of the times I would go to Caucasian churches, white churches who allowed a Hispanic church or a Haitian church to have a, a congregation there. But whenever I go to these congregations, they always tell me, could you teach these people how to be on time? Well, of course, they are they are they are event oriented. The the party is over when the party is over. Service is over when service is over. So what I say to these folks, if you're going to have a Hispanic congregation or a, a, a Haitian congregation or a third world congregation, why not give them two o'clock in the afternoon rather than nine o'clock in the morning and tell them that they ought to be out by 10 o'clock? They're not going to be out because they are event-oriented. So in order to avoid that clash, I think as we study the cultures, we are then able to um, be able to adjust differently. Is having a high CQ uh, an individual goal? Can a, can a culture in mass have a high CQ or is it really pro on the individuals and their responsibility to improve their CQ? I think it's a, it's, it's, it it starts with individuals. Mm -hmm. um, uh, uh, for instance, I think it is important for a, a dominant culture church that wants to reach people from different cultures, they, they must choose individuals who they can teach. And then of course, it become a collective endeavor and enterprise. So I think it begins with the individual and then of course it moves on to a people or to a group of people. Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. Uh, you reached out uh, to the Church of Living Edge uh, in Longwood, Florida, to write the foreword uh, about this one. Walk me through that. Like, how was that call like? Like, I'm writing this book. It took me years of research. I need you to. I need to drop a nice little feature track on it. Yeah, you know, Bishop Bishop Mark Cherona. I I I was pastoring a church in Orlando, Florida, mm -hmm. and I got a call from Mark Cherona, and uh, Bishop Mark Cherona told me. He says, "Look, guy." You don't know me, but I've been reading some of your literature and we need to meet. He's yeah. got a 4,000 member church plus church wow. out in Longwood. And this is a white guy. But if you go to his website and you see what his staff looks like, and they always say, you have to hire the people that you're trying to reach. And, and when you look at his staff, you see the, 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 multi, the diversity that, that is there. So Mark Chirona to me, is an individual who was able, who is culturally competent, mm -hmm. and be and be able to have a church that is such that has such diversity. And so I asked him to uh, to write the forward to the book. And of course, I I just wish my mother were alive to see the things that he wrote. But uh, I thought he he was very flowery in his, his expression. But he's a great guy in terms of understanding 
cultural intelligence. Is that kind of like a, a byproduct of, of your deciding to write these books for others to connect with another people of church and the community on that level and say, hey, look, help me out on my project to push your ideas out there? I mean, what's that like? Is pick up a phone call asking for favors and friends? Well, because because I, I, I think that I, I must say I don't have a problem with a white church. I don't have a problem with a Hispanic church. Mm -hmm. I don't have a problem with a with a Haitian church or a Filipino church. What I do have a problem with is when a church is not able to welcome people of different cultures. Correct. And so people who have known me have, have understood quite well that while I'm an advocate for ethnic specific churches, I am also an advocate for multicultural churches where, where, it, where churches have made a decision to be diverse. I think that this is where cultural intelligence comes in. So I've called, I've called all my guys and I've told them, look, man, I'm, I'm getting involved in this. And I think it's a great enterprise. I enjoy writing this book. Yeah, it's a yeah. great book. I got involved in cultural intelligence about 12 years ago through the Cultural Intelligence Center in, in Detroit with um, Dr. Livermore, David Livermore, who mm -hmm. is really an expert in this. But I think that we are on to something in terms of the Christian experience right. in evangelism and missiology. Well, 12 years ago, how has that evolved? How has that evolved? How has that changed? I know if it's, a, if it's something that you really believe in, it has, has its own little morphing thing to it. It can adapt. It can update. What have you seen in your 12-year experience? Well, well as I, I see the mega churches, the mega churches, I think, have gotten the message. And mega churches are more diverse than the smaller churches. And I really appreciate what churches have done, large congregations have done that are, that are monocultural, that have sought just intensely to be able to reach the people because our neighborhoods have changed. If our neighborhoods have changed, then we have we, we have to reach those people and yeah. they are a different culture. Uh, what do you think is the biggest barrier uh, in far of, of increasing your CQ? What is day-to-day? -day? Is it the media? Is it just prejudicial notions? Is it bad experiences? What prevents people from hitting that next level of CQ? Fear. Um, fear of the unknown. Um, I pastored a church um, in Orlando, which was an all-white church. And over the years, I, I know in the first year, the church changed. Uh, because I'm a Caribbean person, a lot of Caribbeans began coming to the church. But I think there is, there is a fear of the unknown. We don't know the other culture. And because we don't know the other culture, we, we, we are a little hesitant, but I think if congregations will take the time to understand, to study the other culture, then I think the task becomes much easier. And like you mentioned in the book, planning social activities, always a good idea. <laughs> right? oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. For instance, there, 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 there is, um, for instance, there, with, a, with a monocultural congregation, let's say a, a white congregation, yeah. reaches out and there's a young lady a, a black young lady who joins the church and they have a social event um, uh, where they cook, everybody cook and bring it, you know, bring the food. But that young lady, all she knows how to cook is chicken feet. Mm. And so she cooks chicken feet because her culture appreciates chicken feet. But she cooks chicken feet and she brings it to the church. And on, on Saturday afternoon, they have a cookout and 
nobody is eating the chicken feet and they look at it and they say oh ooh. however a church that is culturally competent will understand quite well here is a young lady from a different culture she has cooked what she knows how to cook and somebody ought to be smart enough to say hey make sure you try try a chicken foot <laughs> because if that young lady stands up there who has just joined the church four or five months ago and here she has spent the whole night cooking yeah. chicken feet and yet nobody wants to it's an assault on her own uh, idea of what uh, a social event ought to be so we ought to be very careful but as we fraternize and we, we mix with people of different cultures it's the best way to understand people of different cultures yeah. i'm gonna be like on vacation somewhere years from now and they're gonna be hey flo do you want to dance the tango and i'll be like no and i was like wait Think of the chicken feet, and yes, I will stand up <laughs> and, I, and I will tango to my heart's content. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> my neighbor next door, reaching our communities through cultural intelligence, is available yeah. now, right? How could someone connect to get a copy of themselves right Amazon, now? Amazon, man, Amazon, Amazon does it all. Hey, uh, I know. I'm trying to set you up. <laughs> Come on, bro. Why you book, <laughs> The book is available for 19.95. The paperback is available for 19.95. You can get a Kindle copy for eleven ninety five, dollars uh, or you can go to my website, www.thediaconia.com. And uh, it, it is a great book. And get it for somebody, get it for your friend, get it for your uh, a person of a different culture who is trying at least to be culturally competent. Real quick, what number book is this? Because you write all the time. You're like, you're a machine. <laughs> this is number 20. Oh, congratulations, man. <laughs> Thank you. And so the next one is going to be on Vernon Johns, who was the predecessor to Martin, Dr. Martin Luther King yeah. at that church. And Vernon Johns was an activist. As a matter of fact, they got rid of uh, uh, Vernon Johns because of his uh, political and religious activism. And who would they get but Dr. Martin Luther King, who okay. is a super activist. So that's going to be my next book. Oh, well, keep on the eye lookout for that. Dr. Phillips, yes. always a pleasure to have you on New Amsterdam Radio. Again, if yes. someone want to connect with you on your website or elsewhere on social, how do you go about doing that? www.thediaconia.com. Uh, they get onto there or they can call me on my cell phone, 407-600-7620, and they'll surely get me. But I appreciate all the support I've gotten from your people, and uh, I look forward to further interaction with you. Thanks so much for listening to New Amsterdam Radio. Learn more about the show at newamsterdam.com. That's K-N-E-W-Amsterdam.com. Until next time, this city is yours. <laughs> <laughs>